General Leslie Groves, a West Point graduate and career army man. A fellow engineer called Groves the biggest son of a bitch and one of the most capable people he'd ever met. Groves was really an indispensable man. Manhattan Project chemist and historian William Wilcox. He took over in uh, September of 1942, and although he was an expert in construction, just finished building the Pentagon, and bases of one kind or another all over the U.S. He didn't know beans about atomic energy or about (laughs) building an atomic bomb. Grove set about to find the brightest minds in America to work on the project. To direct the science of bomb development, Groves picked J. Robert Oppenheimer, a theoretical physicist at the University of California at Berkeley. Oppie, as his friends called him, was considered an eccentric genius and superb leader. In addition to his deep scientific knowledge, Oppenheimer taught himself Sanskrit so he could study sacred Hindu texts. Where Groves was a hard-driving bully, Oppenheimer could be seductive and charming. It was probably either late December or January of 43 that Oppenheimer came around recruiting for Los Alamos and he asked if I would join him in Los Alamos, and I said I would be delighted because, like most of his students, I would more or less follow him to the ends of the earth. Robert Christie was a member of Oppenheimer's team of American and immigrant scientists who worked at the secret bomb development lab. It was built in the high desert of northern New Mexico. When we arrived, there was no housing on the hill, So we were housed in various dude ranches in the vicinity of Santa Fe, and then some kind of crude housing was available up on the hill that had double-decker bunks, and there were people everywhere. Los Alamos was not a city. It was an army post with physicists. When I walked down the street, every house I passed, nearly, I knew the residents. We never had such a sense of fraternity in a little community before. And, of course, it was secret. It was surrounded by guards. We couldn't go in and out without permission. Our mail was censored. Our telephone calls were interrupted and so on. By agreement, we agreed to that. We consented to that. In addition to the bomb research at Los Alamos, the project required two more secret locations to produce the plutonium and uranium needed to fuel an atomic weapon. The facilities had to be far enough inland to be safe from enemy attack and sufficiently isolated from any population centers in case of a radiation accident. The Clinton Engineer Works, later known as Oak Ridge, was built in the Appalachian foothills of eastern Tennessee. The Hanford complex grew up alongside the Columbia River and the arid scrublands of south-central Washington state. Groves recruited DuPont, Eastman Kodak, Union Carbide, and other corporations to help build and operate these massive facilities. And Groves said, this is a plant that's going to do something. If we're successful, it might end the war. But the classified nature of the project made negotiating with these companies difficult. William Wilcox. They asked him, of course, where it was going to be. He said, I can't tell you. He said, what is the process going to be? Like he said, I can't tell you, it's secret, and so on and so on. But he appealed to their patriotism. DuPont initially resisted. 
During World War I, it was labeled a merchant of death for the profits it made from munition sales. But Groves was persuasive. He said FDR viewed this work as critical to the war effort. DuPont executives acquiesced. So as we went into 1943, each one of these companies, uh, seeing that they're going to need people to come and do the grunt work at the plants, start fanning out to all the uh, colleges and universities in the U.S. and trying to grab people with uh, degrees in chemistry, chemical engineering, physics. But it wasn't just scientists. As the massive war effort lumbered forward, the Manhattan Project, like every other industry, needed workers. Thousands of construction men, secretaries, teachers, doctors, nurses, cooks, bus drivers, and janitors. Workers came from the Northwest and Great Plains, from the South and up the East Coast. Colleen Black was living with her family in Nashville, Tennessee, when they heard there was work to be had.